Hello everyone, this is Andre, the co-founder of Twins Tours and Travel in Jerusalem in Israel, born into a Christian Maronite family, and I'm a licensed tour guide and an ordained minister of the gospel. I have been leading numerous groups throughout the Holy Land for almost 20 years. Also, I'm an author of several books, and you can find them in Amazon. And one of the first books I wrote called One Friday in Jerusalem speaks about my life story. So join me for a journey of 10 days to understand the heart and the mind of Jesus and to understand the Bible in a deeper way with more details through the Middle Eastern perspective. Please share this podcast with your friends and families and churches and connect with me if you have any questions. Dear all, this is the last site we're going to tour today. This is day number five. We have been dedicating this day to the ministry of Jesus around the Sea of Galilee. We visited in the morning the Sermon on the Mount and then Peter Primacy Church, then Kfar Nahum. And now, by the end of the day, we are heading to a place called the Valley of the Doves. And I'm going to do the summary about the teaching and the theme, the Kingdom of Heaven, to end the day. So all the group members will get out of the bus and walk through a short hike inside the Valley of the Doves. And on the hike, if you look to the left side, you see a mountain. It's called Mount Arabel. And this is a very important mountain because that was one of the port stations of the Zealots. And the Zealots are religious Jews, actually fanatic, and they don't want to submit to Rome or the power. They want to do their own things and submit to the kingdom of heaven, their own kingdom of heaven, which is full of violence. And Jesus, many times, will be teaching about this subject, the kingdom of heaven, actually where we are hiking right now, the Valley of the Doves. And actually, if you look up the top, you see caves and they are open and many zealots will come down to hear Jesus' teaching. They get attracted by his teachings. And you know, one of the disciples of Jesus, Simon, the zealot, he was from the zealots, probably he was from this area. And this is the most that like area that did not change from the time of Jesus. So we are hiking through a marked path and walking where Jesus and his disciples walked and where he taught them. So this is a very offbeat track and you don't see many groups visiting this valley at all. And they don't put it in their program because there are other important things for them to say. But I like to put and do the weird things and the different things and include this valley for the people to see and walk scripture. We are walking on this path and it's really very green everywhere you look around. And especially if you visit during marsh, even you can hear the birds singing and it's called the Valley of the Doves because clearly like you can hear the sounds of the doves. And this is the reason it's called the Valley of the doves. So when everyone is seated and when I tell them let's sit down they are aware that this will be a long teaching. So the group is already prepared and they have water with them and some snacks so I'm not worried at all. And I will tell them I will do a summary for you about the theme of the kingdom of heaven. 
and I encourage the group you have been doing really great all the day and you have been listening a lot and just allow me to have only another one hour and bear with me to do the summary of the theme for you today the kingdom of heaven and of course I will start my teaching by asking a question Jesus all the time asked his disciples questions and I asked them this question why it is so much important for us as believers to read Torah or to study Torah all the time because also it was the core value for every religious Jew who lived in the first century and not only that is the core value for every religious Jew that lives today in Jerusalem or Galilee and you see them in the streets holding their books and reading all the time even when they're walking they're reading scripture they're reading Torah even inside bus stops waiting for the bus they read Torah they open their books and keep reading in the marketplaces everywhere they go you see them reading Torah but mainly in the synagogues they study Torah and wait after tomorrow we're going to Jerusalem we're gonna see like religious Jews walking and just reading scripture all the time so why it is important for Jews to read Torah why teaching Torah is important why reading the Word of God reading Torah is number one important for every religious Jew according to rabbinical teachings number one question when we arrive to heavens and meet God he will ask us how much time did you spend reading Torah you see how this is very important Jesus when he will meet him in heavens according to rabbinical teachings I'm very cautious what I'm saying and what I'm teaching I'm saying according to rabbinical mindset according to Jews in the first century who lived at the time of Jesus and rabbis number one question when we meet our creator he will ask us how much time did you spend reading Torah if you love me if you want to know more about me you spend time to learn you spend time to study and just to challenge you how much time do you spend reading Torah every day how much time you dedicate in your life to study scripture how much time did you spend reading the Word of God it is so much important to st spend time reading scripture and now just to understand me more it's not just open the Bible read like few minutes and close it or only read one verse and meditate 10 minutes on it and your mind will go somewhere else no what I'm saying studying Torah spending time reading scripture let reading scripture be your lifestyle holding the book wherever you go and whatever you do and we learn that from Jews at the time of Jesus and even Jesus himself had grown up learning scripture in the synagogue remember we learned about it by reciting scripture by heart by memorizing 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 but reading Torah is so much important and in the book of the Mishnah we learn how rabbis did read Torah and study Torah 
it's written that they go to their insula to their house and in the insula the house they close their room and on their knees humbling themselves open the scroll the torah and where no one sees them and they spend hours and hours on their knees humbling themselves to read scripture just to tell you me teaching a group or preaching for like five hours or in front of everyone and grabbing all the attention they say i am a good teacher it's not about that it's about what i do home behind the scenes to receive this teaching and to receive the anointing like five minutes in your home where no one sees you on your knees open the bible and humble yourself you're going to receive the anointing of the power of the holy spirit it's better than teaching or preaching in front of thousands so today i'm going to summarize and give you seven principles about how to function under the anointing and the power of the kingdom of heaven and what i'm sharing with you is i'm experiencing in my life and walking in my life and that's what how it's make it so powerful and what does it mean to be under the anointing of the spirit walking in the light i'm gonna give you seven applications or seven points and these seven points will follow each others you can't jump from point number one to point number seven you have to go from point one to two to three chronological because it takes you a lifetime to get through all these seven points and every point is important and every point have to follow each others because there is a value how it will go step by step and let me start point number one me and you should live a king-centered life or in another word a god-centered life the king priorities become your priorities what matters to the king is what matters to you that is the first thing it means to be under the anointing because he is the king and we learn about the king jesus and what matters to him should matter to us of course of the teaching i like to use scripture all the time to solidify what i am talking about look what is written in luke chapter 4 verse 42 at daybreak jesus went out to solitary place the people were looking for him and when they came to where he was they tried to keep him from leaving them but he said i must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of god to the other towns because that is why i was sent this is the key verse because that is why i was sent to preach the good news of the kingdom of heaven so we have to understand why we have to focus and give jesus as a priority because jesus knew what he was doing he was really giving priority to the father he knew why he was sent on earth because he gave god number one the father importance in his life we should put king jesus number one important in our lives and look what Jesus is saying here. My mission in coming here down to earth 
was to make it clear that I am the king, I am ruling and reigning to those who submit to me, I am setting the captives free, they are breaking loose, they are finding freedom, their lives are being transformed. This was vital important to Jesus over and over and over because he was so much focused and he gave priority to have time with the Father and he gave priority to read scripture and to learn scripture despite he was himself scripture and he gave priority to the gospel that talks about the power of the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God was at the very heart of Jesus' concerns. And that's why it needs to be at the heart of our concern and your concern and my concern, our understanding of the kingdom of heaven and the anointing is so much importance. Because it's like a movement and it's progressive. And to be in this movement means what matters to Jesus is what matters to you. What the king cares about is what we should care about. And this is what he also taught his disciples all the time. How to pray, how to read Torah, how to read scripture. And about the kingdom of heaven. It's written because that he taught that about the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is a really like long teaching. It's like three chapters. And at the Sermon on the Mount, which is the bedrock of the New Testament, it's not about the Beatitudes, about the blessings. It's about the Lord's Prayer. He taught them how to pray in reading scripture. And look what it says, thy kingdom come in the Lord's prayer. Thy will be done. You know what does it mean? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the Hebrew mindset. When Jesus says the kingdom come, thy will be done, he is saying exactly the same thing to equivalent meaning to say the kingdom come is to say, may your will be done in my life. This is a better translation, means literally, may your kingdom continue expanding in my life. In other words, more, may your authority and the anointing of the Holy Spirit rule and reign on my life and continue to expand. It's in the present reality. Because having the mind and the heart of Jesus is continuous, it's progressive and gets deeper and deeper and never boring when we walk under the anointing. It means the same thing to pray. May your kingdom come means to pray, God, may your will be done now because that is the essence of the kingdom and the anointing. Not my will, but the Father's will. Do you know it's not all about Jesus? Let me get deep with Jesus. It's not all about him. You know, it's all about whom? The Father. It's about the will of the Father in Jesus' life. And it should be about the will of the Father in our life. Because king priorities should be our priorities. And this is very powerful. That is the heart of the Lord's Prayer. And that's the heart of Jesus teaching the disciples the Lord's Prayer. It's all about the Father. Look what's written in the Lord's Prayer. It starts with our Father in heavens. It's all about the Father. You know, in Jewish mindset, heavens are three levels. The first heaven is what you see by your own eyes in front of you. And look around. You see the trees. You see like the clouds and the skies and the mountains. The second 
heavens is all the way with the astronomy, all the way with the planets. You don't see it by your own eyes, but we learn today from science and astronomy, there is big, big planets, and even they discovered a new planet. That's the second heavens. You know what is the third heavens? The third heavens is the seat of God, where no one can reach. Jesus, by teaching his disciples how to pray, is telling them, our Father in heavens. What he is really communicating for them, I am bringing the heart of the Father from the third heavens down to earth. He is bringing the seat of God to us today at the present reality. That's the kingdom of heaven. That's the power of the kingdom of heaven. And when God comes in Jesus Christ and his presence, we will have the anointing on our lives. So you're looking forward for the anointing to be on your life and the will of the Father to be done in your personal life. It begins in you. That's why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and then all else shall be added into you. And in this word, your priority is to do my will. Jesus saying, seek first to make me a king because I'm God on your life. Seek first to permit me and allow me to rule and reign in your life. Seek first to be part in my movement that I have established and then all else shall be added into you. That is the heart of Christian life. If you could ever simplify your life in Christ, is just to listen to the king and give him priority. How you can give him priority? If you read from his scripture, if you read Torah, and, and if you submit everything to him, your finances to him, if you submit even what you eat and drink in the spirit, and even if you submit what you talk out of your mouth or what you let come into your eyes or what you hear into your ears so if you do that and you submit everything for him you will become part of his kingship you become part of the anointing of the holy spirit and he will set you free and you will walk under the anointing and guess what's gonna happen next if you submit everything to him all the details i know it's not it's hard to be honest with you it's very hard to be a strong christian but it's possible because of his spirit and the anointing on your life and if you do all of that guess what's going to happen he will be glorified because it's not about me or it's not about you it's about the king himself and to fulfill the works of the Father down on earth. This is why Jesus was sent to earth. And this is why we exist in this earth. So what I'm talking about is the very heart and mind of Jesus. So what exactly matters to him should matter to us. And he promises us if we do these things, everything else will be added. So look what's written in scripture. Do not be anxious for things. Seek first my ruling and reigning in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God. Look how I take care of the lilies of the fields, the birds of the earth. How much more will you, heavenly Father, take care of you if you seek first my heart? 
to make me a king, to be part of Jesus' movement, is to give him all the priorities and the authority over us. Jesus says it's like coming across a pearl of great value. Remember this parable? You find it in the field and you go and you sell all what you have to buy that field so you can possess that great pearl. This is what is the kingdom is like. You make the king's priorities your priority. That's point number one. What matters to him should matter to you. And when you reach that level comes point number two. It's continuous. When you read Torah and keep reading, what will happen to your life next? Point number two, you will become, as a result, a more humble person. The anointing of humility will come over you. The more you read Torah, the more humble you will be. And look in the Sermon on the Mount, who said, Jesus, like, blessed are the happy, the happy, blessed. Remember, I told you, blessed are the poor in the spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed, we should put joy and happy. For the humble, the more humble you are, the more content, the more blessed you will be. And these are the people God wants to rule and reign over them. These are the people who make Jesus' movement. And I don't like to use the word Christian. I like to use the word believers. The movement with believers. The movement of the peacemakers. Those who mourn, those who strive after righteousness. Which means those who are humble and submit themselves to me. Those are the ones that I can rule and reign. Not the people who are full of proud and pride. We have so many of them all over. Not those who insist in doing their own way and their own will, but those who recognize that they can totally depend on Jesus. These are the people that he is king over them. And that is the kingdom of heaven. Look what is written in Mark 10, 14 to 15. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. You see, we have to become so humble like children. Children are so honest. Children are so like clear with their emotions. And we can reach that when we give Jesus to be on charge on our lives. So who is in charge in your life? Is it you or it's Jesus? And look what Jesus counsels the rich ruler in Luke chapter 18, verse 18. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? We know how much is difficult for rich to enter the kingdom of God. Why it's difficult for them? Because the rich people tend to rely on their riches rather than upon God. I'm not saying to be rich is something wrong. Don't misunderstand me. I'm saying is you don't have to depend on the money you have in order 
just to give the money the priority. It's great to be rich. It's a blessing. God bless you for a reason. Because it's not about you. It's to use this money to expand the kingdom of God. So what is your priority? Is it your bank account? Where is your security? In, is it in God's provision? Now the rich ruler, he finds it's difficult to let Jesus rule and to reign in his life. And by the way, he's not talking only about finances here. Are you rich in intellect? Are you rich in talents? Are you rich in abilities? Are you rich in, like, God gave you special gifts that you are so clever and smart? Do you tend to rely on your strength or to rely on God's words? That was very difficult to the rich ruler because he did not want to humble himself. He did not want to submit and give everything priority to Jesus. You know what it says, give him priority? What does it mean in Hebraic mindset? It's not to give it all physically like. It's like, where is your priority? Is money your priority? Is your wife your priority? No, it's wrong. Is it your pastor your priority in your life? No, it's wrong. In order to receive the anointing and the power of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus should be your priority. Reading the word of God should be your priority. Now, also, I'm very cautious when I use the word prosperous, like prosperity gospel. Let me explain a little bit about it. Because it's immediately when I speak about being like uh, gifted and prosperous, the mind comes to the materialistic understanding, which is the farthest thing from the truth. You know that the word prosperous has been mentioned like 10 or 11 times in scripture and it never talks about materialistic things or owning things in hebrew prosperous refers to being content when you are prosperous it's a mistranslation from the greek but original hebrew is to be content in your life to have what you need according to the will of god at that moment you do not need to own all the word to own all these possessions in your life to feel secured or to feel good and actually from my experience which i'm just doing this i don't know what its age uh, i don't know why i'm just like at this stage of my life trying to possess less to own less things i feel more free example when i travel before i used to have to have one large bag with a lot of stuff when i travel now when I travel to the States or to teach, I just like get two pairs of everything. I feel so free that are not binded by my luggage. I'm just giving you one example. And even for me living in Jerusalem, I own nothing. I am more free. Just think about it. The more possessions you have in your life, the more you are binded by them. For example, let me be personal. I don't own a house. I don't own a car. I just we walk everywhere in Jerusalem. You don't need on, to own a car. It's like living in New York downtown. You don't need a car. And you feel more free to do God's will in your life. I'm not saying everyone has to do that. Okay? Just to be clear. But the less things you own in your life, you are free to do the calling and the anointing. And the power of the Spirit will work like Jesus, I'm talking
Jesus owned nothing in his life. Only his clothes he owned. And on the cross they played a lot. And he lost his clothes. Like when we speak in America like uh, about prosperity, everyone say, praise the Lord for my car, for my Dodge car. It's a huge car. I love my car. I love my house, uh, my mansion. Listen again, nothing wrong about it, but don't give it priority in your life. If you own a nice car, a new car, and a new house, that's great. And what matters is you doing the will of the Father in your life. If God wants to use you to go and spread the kingdom of heaven, if you go through and drive a fancy car, or you drive just a, an old car, it doesn't matter. What matters is you go to the, your destination to do the will of God in your life. And if God blessed you so much, it's great. It's a blessing, but give him the priority. I hope you get my point. You understand my point. You have to do what he commands you to do. So as a result of reading Torah, we said, number one, to give God priority over your life. Point number two, you will become humble in whatever you have. The more humble you become, the more anointing you will receive. And this will take us to point number three. To operate under the authority and the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit is to have a life full of obedience. This is what Apostle Paul talks about. Obedience of faith. This is the hallmark of a disciple. If you want to be part of the kingdom of God and receive the anointing, you have to be obedient to the Father. Look what is written in Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, this is very hard. Let me explain it. What is Jesus saying here? Is he saying that many who are saved are going to heaven? Not at all. That is not the point. What is Jesus saying here in the Hebraic mind mindset? It's not just because you say or you call me Lord does not mean that you are part of my movement. It takes more than that. It's not only what you say in your mouth, just claiming it does not get you to be in the kingdom of heaven. Naming it does not claim it. You know this prosperity gospel, name it and claim it. That is a weak teaching. Let me get more to understand. If even you go and worship in church and you see so many people, I'm not judging at all, I'm just giving you an example, raising their hands and saying by their mouth, Jesus, we love you, it is not that. It's by obeying God. It's by obeying Him. You become in His movement. You can worship all day. Even you can teach and preach all day. I get, get harder on you. Because all of you are very mature. Even if you're a good preacher and a good teacher. And if you don't submit to Him and obey to His Spirit, you are not in his movement you are not in the kingdom of heaven just because you call him a king 
And just because you only refer to him as Lord does not mean you are his disciple. It's obeying his words. It's by reading scripture what makes you a disciple, a real disciple. It's by doing the Father's will in your life. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about your comfort. It's not about God bless me, bless me, bless me. And many people like in the churches, bless me, bless me, bless me. It's about how you can bless others. The moment I was so much blessed when I thought about others. I tried to bless others and then got blessed. Upside down kingdom. It's by obeying what the Lord is telling you to do. You should crush your own will and walk under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It means you will do what he wants you to do, not what you want yourself to do or how you want to do it. It's not about you. Let me see and explain more about the obedience of your faith. Let's read Matthew eleven twenty nine. Jesus talks about the yoke. Look what's written. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. First you become humble. And then you have to put the yoke. Take on the yoke of Jesus. It's very easy to bear. Which Jesus is saying, take on my teaching. Be in the movement in the kingdom of heaven to receive the anointing. It is easy. But you have to obey. It is a yoke. Let me explain for you what does it mean. There are two steps to put on the yoke in this part of the world, in the Middle East, in the ancient farming, until today in some villages. A yoke is something you have to bend your neck to put it on. It's something you got to submit to humble and to lower yourself. And then after that, point number two, when you put the yoke on yourself, you have to harness like the animal to do some work, to obey. So to be under the anointing is to put the yoke on yourself and submit to the king and bow down and, and to get to be part of his movement. It means you have to obey and get busy, do some plowing. You are going to do work. You see, if you don't work, if you don't do in God's kingdom, if you don't obey the king and be in ministry or do something, even simple stuff, arranging chairs in the church, or just ask someone a question, how I can be a blessing to you, how I can help you, you need to do some work. And when you obey, okay, God's kingdom will expand and you will become part of his movement. And look what is written in Luke eleven twenty-eight. Jesus says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So to be under the anointing means to live a life of obedience, the obedience of faithfulness and to work. Get involved in God's work. How many of us like to talk and talk and talk? And we do not like to work. We do not like to put the effort. You have no idea how many Christians and pastors talked, talked and talked with me and promised me so many things. 
I never done it. I knew that. <laughs> it's only talking, talking, talking. The kingdom of heaven is not a matter of talking. It's a matter of walking and doing and working. So I learned the lesson to trust only in God and not in people. When you want to receive the anointing, it's a matter of walk. And not only talk and talk and talk with no promises fulfilled. That is the power of the kingdom of heaven. Walk the walk and do ministry. Try to be blessing to others. As a result, we come to point number four. To operate under the anointing and the power of the kingdom of heaven means we will become so productive. After we obey, we become so productive. In what? In God's kingdom. You will have a life of productivity. And that is a proof that we are disciples and we bear much fruits. Look what is written in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 19. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The Spirit of God was upon Jesus, anointed him to proclaim the good news, to set people free, to liberate the oppressed. And that is our mission for me and for you, to do the same thing, to work, to be involved, to be productive. And look what is written in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. And Jesus says in other places also, occasions, the kingdom is suffering violence, which means talking and working and get involved. And it means there is some kind of force, a spiritual force. It's really talking about the kingdom of heaven is breaking loose. It's all spiritual. There is a violence. What is the violence? Is people going from the kingdom of darkness by the power of the Holy Spirit, moving the kingdom of light, breaking through. You know, when we share the gospel with people, it's so big. Think of yourself like you are like part of the army of God. You're bringing people. It's a battle. It's a fight. You are setting people free. They are finding freedom. It's like an example, like sheep, free them from the den. They go out jumping, leaning and kicking. They are so happy because they are set free. We need to be like that, to be excited in the spirit. And that's our role, to work, to be involved in ministry, to be productive. Look what is written in Micah chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. I will surely gather all of you, Jacob. I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I will bring them together like sheep in a pan, like a flock in its pasture. The place will throng with people. The one who breaks open the way will go up before them. They will break through the gate and go out. Their king will pass through before them, the Lord at their head. We should be involved and be productive like the sheep out of the den, they are restless, they are anxious, they are dis 
like they want to get free and and to break through you know when the shepherds come forward and opens the door of the den and leads the sheep out they go breaking through the door bumping shouting making noises and they go out to the green pastures which is the anointing to drink of the living water that's what is the kingdom of heaven when we set people free they break loose from the bindings of darkness to get free in the light this is what jesus wants us to do to break loose of your bonds of captivity because we have been given a new authority and power we are set free what is your mission on earth are you a follower of jesus do you call him lord are you submitting to his rule and reign it's so much important to understand this we have to obey him look what is written in matthew 10 verse 7 as you go proclaim this message the kingdom of heaven has come near heal the sick raise the dead cleanse those who have leprosy drive out demons freely you have received freely give drive out demons freely you have received freely give the kingdom of god is free it costs you everything life itself but here is the point jesus says the spirit is upon me to set the captives free and no if you are in my movement i'm giving you authority and power and anointing of my spirit so now i want you to go and say the kingdom is at hand remember we said when it's at hand what does it mean it's here it's now it's available to you and and, and me and i want you jesus saying to heal the sick i want you to raise the dead i want you to cleanse those who are impure i want you to set the captives free and after what happens you tell them the kingdom of god is here and it's at hand it arrived and you can see the fruits of it it's a productive life so the kingdom is not a matter of talk but of power and he also says the kingdom is righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit listen for this the kingdom is the supernatural intervention of god anointing on your life it's the divine operation of his spirit this is when you see and know and understand that god is operating in your life there are manifestations of it there are fruits of it around you so we have to lead a life full of productivity as a result comes point number five to be part of the kingdom of god and operate under the anointing and his power we have to connect to the community you cannot operate as individual you have to connect to your family you have to connect to your church to be part of jesus movement you must be involved with others do not function as an individual in the kingdom if you want the anointing you can't do it only by yourself you cannot do it alone i remember a story i like to give personal stories my father in the 1980s he used for me and my twin brother to watch, uh, to watch 
the movie Rambo. I was like obsessed with that movie because of my father. Maybe I watched it more than 10 times. And the first time I remember after I watched it, you know what my dad told me? You cannot be like Rambo in your Christian life. <laughs> because I love that movie. He killed everyone. And he was the hero. And wherever he went shooting, and no one just touched him. He was powerful. I love to watch that movie. And I remember even in the last scene when he took his bazooka and he shooted a helicopter and it exploded. And the movie ended. And when the movie ended, I remember my dad telling me, and he said to me, you cannot be like Rambo in your Christian walk. You do not function alone. There is no Rambo in real life or in the Christian life. You cannot take the enemy by yourself. Even if you have all the armors of God, the shield, the sword, the hamlet, your feet, your everything, and you go after the enemy, know that the weakest point is the back that is not protected. You know why? Because others should be involved in God's kingdom and the army. They will protect your back. And read later Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. I'll read it for you. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Luke verse 14. Stand firm, then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And the key verse, 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kind of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You see, it's not about you in the battle. It's all about the Lord's people. It's about us. And even if we put all the armors of God, our back is still vulnerable. Because it's supposed for somebody to be behind you, to protect you, who is in the army. So it's about the community, it's about the kingdom. Do not fight these battles alone. I used to fight many battles alone. I learned the lesson. Because it's a warfare. You can't do it alone. There is an assembly of people in the kingdom. It's a movement, it's an army. Jesus says, I'm building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. We are God's witnesses in this world. I'm giving you my spirit so that you will be my witness throughout the world. This is what Jesus is saying. Look at what's written in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
We become part of his movement by connecting to the community of faithful. Do you know that it's all about the community and not the individual in God's kingdom? If you want the anointing in your life, you have to connect to the community. And remember Jesus in Capernaum, every time Jesus like healed someone, he told him to go back to his family, to tell what the Lord has done in his life. It's all about the family. Because it's all about God, Son, Holy Spirit. It's all about the communities. In Western societies, families are broken. Communities are separated from each other. Let me expand more. Do you know in Jewish mindset, in scripture mindset, it all starts at home. It doesn't even start in church. Let me explain more. There's nothing like against the church. Do not misunderstand me. But look, if you have a healthy home, you will have a healthy family. So heal your family. Call your mom and dad. Call, make connections. And when you have a healthy family, you will have a healthy community. You know, before I'm doing a podcast or anything, you won't believe it. Every day I call my mom. I check on her. I just call her for her to feel good. It's all about the family. It's so healthy. Because when you have a healthy family, you're going to have a healthy community. And when you have a healthy community, you have a healthy church. It's not about the church only. You don't have to be burdened on the pastor or burdened on the church. You have to be a giver. It does not start in the church. The church is not to receive, receive, receive. Bless me, bless me, bless me. The church is how to give and give and give. When you go to church, make friends, make community. Just ask questions. How are you doing? Ask some the one sitting beside you. Don't talk about yourself. Try not to talk about yourself. Try to listen to someone else. And you have no idea how much you will bless him. And you have no idea how much you will blessed. You will be so blessed. Because if you have a healthy church, you will have a healthy society. And when you have a healthy society, you will have a healthy government. And when you have a healthy government, you know what will happen? Jesus will be glorified and not anyone else. And his name will be spread in the earth. And the king will come back, as he said. So serve others. It's not about you or me. It's about the community. And this will lead us to point number six. Remember, I told you we have to go point after point, gradually. And point number six, when you are involved with the community, you will have conflict within the community. Do not run away from conflict. The kingdom is a matter of conflict. Also, there are levels of conflict. I'm not talking about, uh, like, there's so much conflict in church, like, what is the color of the light we should put, or the color of the altar, or plastic, or wood, or... I'm not talking about that, all right? I'm talking about real conflict. I'm talking about spiritual conflict. Satan is the one who opposes the things of God. He is the one who wants to ascend higher than God. He wants to rule and reign, and he will oppose you, and he will bring conflict to the church. And it's not a physical. You have to understand everything is in the spirit. You have to mature and think spiritually. And because the kingdom is like setting people free, there is a lot of spiritual conflicts will take place and battles. Now, 
as I told you, it's not about only people and personalities. It's deeper than that. It's spiritual battles. If you want to walk in the spirit, you're going to have spiritual battles. So give you an example. I don't want to scare you, but where I lived for like 30 years in the Christian quarter in the old city of Jerusalem, it's full of spiritual darkness. Think how many people have been killed in battles in Jerusalem. Think how many like demons went all around and entered people's lives. It is for real. It's spiritual. Because when the kingdom of God breaks in, the captives start to be set free. You're going to see the violence that the Bible is talking about, the manifestation. I remember I was a kid the first time I was exposed to demons inside people's lives. And the Spirit led me, the anointing, how to set them free. And actually that night I didn't sleep. But it became my vocation later, setting people free. So it's real. There are so many people possessed in there like in darkness and this is the level i'm talking about if you want to be under the anointing you have to set people free like jesus had done it's so spiritual it becomes to a level to be so tangible so to be under the anointing of the spirit is to be part of the army of god so this is why you need to be equipped you know what equipped in Hebrew also means? To be ready. And more than that, to prepare. To prepare something for use. To equip means to prepare. It may involve a lot of repairing of your life, of your spiritual life. It's preparing something. That's the central idea. For the service of the king. For example, if it's in the church, prepare someone to lay the nets. You're getting ready to harvest some fish. And sometimes preparing apostles, prophets, deacons. You are preparing them to go. So this is the role of the church. Equip to take dominion over the enemy, to set captives free, to proclaim the kingship of Jesus and to do his will that his name may be glorified all over the earth. We need to operate under the anointing and the power of the Spirit. You know, he says the mission of the church is to equip the saints for ministry. Look what is written in Hebrew, chapter 2, verses 14 and 16. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it's not angels he has, but Abraham's descendants. And who are Abraham's descendants? Me and you. Jesus destroyed the forces of the devil and death. That's the reason we have the anointing in our lives. Because the enemy has been destroyed. I do not want to scare you more. Believe me, the kingdom of heaven... Is a spiritual conflict with the forces of the world. And let me be honest with you. If you want to be a real Christian, it's not the simplest thing in life. But it's so much joyful. To be a real Christian is very hard to surrender everything and walk in the Spirit. Just ask me about it. There is a cost. But it's full of joy when you see the kingdom of heaven breaking loose. When you see people coming from the darkness to the light. You feel it. 
You feel the joy. You are doing something in God's kingdom. And that will lead us to point number seven, the final point. When you walk under the anointing, you will give evidence of God's kingship in your life. It's so important. We talked about it. What is the kingdom of God? It is the king ruling and reigning over people. We submit to his authority. We talked about when the kingdom will be. It is a present reality. It's about now. It's about today. It's about the moment. It's breaking loose. It is something that is here and now. And you know how the kingdom operates. Under the authority of his name and the power of his name and his spirit. And this is how the kingdom expands. Because God has a purpose for planet Earth. He has a purpose for you and for me. He got things he wanted to accomplish with you and me. It is so important to realize that you are needed to be in ministry. He needs you to give evidence of his kingship on earth. You become part of his kingdom. You become part of the evidence. In your home, in your workplace, in your school, in your church, in your office, in your society. You want his name to be filling the earth, the glory of God and the knowledge of his son. This is why he needs you to spread his word. Look what Jesus says in Luke 17, 21. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst, or can be translated among you, or can be translated in, from Hebrew, inside you. That's the kingdom of heaven. That's the anointing. To be part of the community. It's among us. It's collectively and individually. So where is the kingdom? In you. Who lies in you? Jesus lives in us. Who is Jesus? He is the king. He is Lord. If you know who is the king, and if you know his name, and his authority, and power he has in you, it's a revelation by the Spirit. And you have to know your body and my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, then you have everything you need to operate and walk under the anointing. How does it happen? First of all, it is a recognition and belief of who is Jesus. And it's a submission to him as a king, permitting him to rule and reign over your life. So I challenge you to operate in the authority of the kingdom of heaven. That's what he called us to do. How do you enter his movement? You repent, you turn around your ways, stop doing your thing and do his thing. He called us, he cleansed us in baptism, he consecrated us by the power of his sacrificial blood. He has clothed us with garments of righteousness, he has commissioned us to go, teach, baptize, heal, cleanse, deliver, set free. He commissioned us to do the work of the kingdom of God. So I challenge you to be the people of God. To make Jesus Lord, make him king over your life. Give him every dimension of your life. And not for your glory, but for his glory. Not for you to have a reward. It's all about the king.
so you become an evidence of God's kingship on earth. Trust me, you have to do nothing. Whenever you walk and go, people will come to you. This man is different. This guy, whenever he talks, there's authority coming from his mouth. You know what? People will get attracted to you because of the spirit and the anointing on you. So, be the people of God. Humble yourself under his mighty hand. Obey his teachings. Be more responsible and accountable than you were before. Who much is given, much is required. He has redeemed you and me for a reason. He have the right to rule over us. Do not be so much occupied by yourself. Get occupied with the king, his authority, his power. He is the son of man. He is the king. He has arrived and he has established his kingdom that shall not be shaken and shall go forth forever and ever. Submit and obey. Humble yourselves. And do the work he done and called us to do. Will you accept that? So let me do a quick rev revision with you. Point number one, give God priority over your life. As a result, you'll become humble. The more you read Torah, the more humble you become. Later, you're going to lead a life full of obedience. And after you become obedient, you'll be so much productive in God's kingdom. And after becoming productive in God's kingdom, you're going to face a conflict in your life. And if after you face this spiritual conflict, you'll become an evidence of God's kingdom, kingship over you. And, and the anointing will show in your life. The power of the kingdom of heaven will be on your life. And it's not only about education, by the way. It's all about the anointing. Education is great. It's good to have, to be very highly educated. But it's not about that. To show and be an evidence of God is to be under the anointing. Because your life become a testimony of the pages of the Bible. And God will use you to bring more people to his kingdom. This is the level of anointing I'm talking about. You know, I'm a preacher, a teacher, and when I preach in churches and I do the teachings, there will be a strong presence of God's glory falls down and the atmosphere changes and people will have the taste of the power of the kingdom of heaven. And many people get touched and many people get healed. By the way, no weird manifestations. And I'm a charismatic but Christian, but it's not to an extent to be weird. And it's so gentle. The Holy Spirit is so gentle. And the Holy Spirit is so sensitive. Even if you don't need to fall down. It's not about falling down. Some people fall down hours and hours. And when they just their life never changes. It's not about talking. It's about walking. I know people never fall down. And they were touched by the anointing of the power of the Spirit. And their life changed completely. And it's not only about the feelings. Feelings are important. Feelings are good. But it's not about the feelings. It's about the Word of God. The solid teaching of the Word of God. So, do not limit His Spirit. Because we do not, cannot do anything without His Spirit and His anointing. It is all about the King. It's all about giving Him priority. And when you give it 
to him all he is glorified and not you it is all about reading scripture it is all about reading torah i encourage you open the scripture open the bible spend time more reading torah the more you read torah the more life you will have torah brings you life remember torah is guidance instructions and directions the more you read torah the more you have the will of god the father in your life and walk in the spirit now all the group are very happy and very content in the spirit and rejoicing because they learned so much today and we are heading all the way back to the bus and from the bus we're gonna go to the hotel for dinner go and to rest because the next day day number six we have to learn all about the golden heights